Praise the Lord. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Because Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave oh I'm not here for blessings cause Jesus you don't owe us anything more than anything that you can do I just want you I'm sorry when we just go through the motions. And I'm sorry when I just sing another song. Take me back to where we started. Because I opened up my heart to you. Because I'm not here for blessings. Because Jesus, you don't owe me anything because more than anything that you can do I just want you and nothing else and nothing else nothing else will do because I just want you and nothing else Oh, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. And nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. Because I just want you. And nothing else, oh, nothing else. And nothing else will do, because I just want you. And I'm not here for blessings, because Jesus, you don't owe me anything. And more than anything that you can do, we just want you. Cause nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. We just want you and nothing else, nothing else, 
nothing else will do because we just want you and nothing else nothing else nothing else will do we just want you i need the Truly, that is the cry of our hearts, that nothing else matters, nothing else satisfy, because I need you, God. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we truly need you, God, every hour, and we declare, bless me now, my Savior, because we come to you, God, and since we've come to you, God, both in person and online, God, we believe you will bless us, God. You will bless us through the giving of the offering. You will bless us through the worship, but you will also bless us through the word, and we thank you for it. Now, God, I'm praying that you would hide me beneath the cross 
that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth, God. Let it be all of you, less of me. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. Move up and down every aisle, in and out every row. God, touch us from the pulpit to the parking lot. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen, amen, amen. One more time, amen. amen. Praise God. Come on with your Bibles in your hands. Repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, teach me this word. Come on, put your hands together this morning. Amen and amen. So we've been in this series and we've been working through a theme passage of scripture and that theme passage is Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, verses 6 through 7. So for the last two weeks, we have been in this chapter and we've been going different places, but that's been our focus. And so just to recap, our very first message was shame on you. Somebody say shame on you. And we talked about a man named Mephibosheth. Somebody say Mephibosheth. And just talk about the fact that God brought him up out of a place of shame and put him into a place of prominence. And then last week we were on something called faithful fatherhood. Somebody say faithful fatherhood. fatherhood. We were working through Father's Day and we had uh, four points. Uh, Point A was the father's responsibility for us. Point B was the father's work in us. Point C was the father's conduct around us. And D was the fathers who are assigned to us. And the premise, major premise of this uh, thing on Father's Day was how that Jesus was the extension of the Father in the earth. And when we have Jesus in us, he is the extension of the Father. And he becomes the Father we never had. He becomes the Father through us. And that was the major focus of that. Today, for our final in this part, uh, this series of that passage of Scripture, Our final one is called Jesus Makes the Difference. Somebody say that. Say, Jesus Jesus makes the difference. difference. We'll say it again. Jesus Jesus makes the difference. difference. Now, we all know that. We wouldn't be here if we didn't believe that Jesus is a difference maker or Jesus makes the difference or makes a difference. Let me say it like Andre Crouch would have said it. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. And so we believe that because that's why we're here. I hope that's why you're here. I hope you're not just here because you like the people here. And I enjoy it. I like the fact that you like the people here. But Jesus is our focus. Jesus is our reason. And sometimes people only say this during Christmas, but it's for every time. Jesus is the reason for the season. Whatever season you're in, it is Jesus. And 
They, 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 they do talk about pastors and preachers of my generation that they no longer talk about Jesus. They talk about everything, but I'm not going to be one of those type of preachers. I only have one goal, and that's to lift up the name of Jesus. He said, if I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So Jesus makes the difference. So we're going to go and we're going to work through this passage of Scripture again and we're going to be going to other passages of scripture and try to tie in what Jesus really meant to Isaiah 61. So let me uh, give us just a little background before we get to rolling. Remember that Jesus had not showed up on the scene when Isaiah wrote Isaiah 61. So Isaiah is one of the major prophets and he was prophesying something, but Jesus fit everything he was prophesying. Nobody could have fit that verse like Jesus. And so we're going to tie it in and show you how Jesus makes the difference even in that passage that we have been reading. Actually, every single one of the sermons from shame on you to faithful fatherhood, the focus has been Jesus. But in this particular uh, message, we are actually going to point it out to you. The other ones, we just preached it, but I'm actually going to point it out to you how Jesus makes the difference. All right. So Isaiah 61, one through three, and then six and seven. I'm going to start off by reading all of these myself, and then we'll bring Mother Mitchell in. Isaiah 61, one, this is our theme verses. The spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. There's enough in that verse alone to preach a month of Sundays on just all that Jesus said he is doing. Let's look at verse two to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now I'm going to stop just and pause for a second just on that verse. Just recently there was a uh, tragic loss of a young man's life, someone that, that we know their, their father was at our church just, just uh, a few weeks ago. A young man named uh, Devin Carter, little Devin, was in a tragic accident accident and lost his life and a lot of the young people around his age 15 16 17 and just at a loss but the scripture says Jesus will comfort those who mourn and it, it's always difficult when you think of parents losing children that's not the way it's supposed to go the kids are supposed to bury the parents but every now and then it happens and it happens not just to unsaved folk it happens to people who love the Lord Devin and Teresa they both love the Lord and so I'm praying for God's comfort to come into their situation. It's not a whole lot of words you, you, you can have when people go through those tragic things. But I have seen people who are in God handle it different than people who are outside of God and somehow be able, even through the loss, be able to make it. I'm reminded of, of, of Terrence and Camille Bridges when they lost their young child or reminded seeing them at the casket during the funeral, lifting their hands to God in praise and giving God praise because he's the only one who can comfort when you're in mourning. And once again, I could preach a month just on that. All the things that Jesus does. Let's look at verse three. Then it says to provide for those who mourn in Zion. Those of us who mourn, different than those who mourn in the world, for those of us who mourn in Zion, in the church, he does this for us, he, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, 
and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. In other words, when we go through those things, when we go through those trials, we don't look like other people look like when they go through. Because God gives us beauty for ashes. He gives us oil of joy for our mourning. It's not that we don't go through stuff. It's not that we don't cry. It's not that we don't hurt. It's not that we don't face challenges. It's just that we don't face them alone. We have Jesus. He makes the difference. Somebody say he makes the difference. Verse 6, but you will be called the Lord's priests. They will speak of you as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of the nations and you will boast in their riches. All these promises. Verse 7, and this is where we preach our first uh, sermon in the series from. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. And that's enough. Those passages of scriptures is enough to shout and walk out of here happy and going on sabbaticals. Knowing that Jesus has done all those things for, for us. He was prophesied all those things. But I want to unpack it in a way that will leave us with something more so that we just don't go through the routine when it comes to Jesus, that he really becomes our peace, that the song that was just sung before I started preaching really becomes our refrain, I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I, I appreciate the stimulus check, but I need God. I appreciate my spouse, but I need God. I thank you for my car and my house, but I need God. I thank you for my birthdays and anniversaries, but I need God. I, I need Jesus. I, I need the one that hung, bled, and died for me. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. That's the one that I need. I, I don't want to lose my mind and not have Jesus in my life. I, I don't want to die with out having Jesus in my life. I want him to really make a difference, not just in the world. I want him to make a difference in me. So I want us to, I want to paint a picture to show you who he really is. Let me say, say this again before I move on. Please, 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 I beg of you. It's one of the, the things that irritates me the most is those of us who make this just a routine. This is the way we go to church, go to church, go to church. Early in the morning, just a routine. I come to deliverance because my grandma went there. I come. No, I want you to be assigned here. If this ain't the place for you, find somewhere else. It's okay. I need people who are here to worship Jesus. Not worship me, not because you like me. I'm glad you like me. I appreciate that you honor me, but I want you here because of Jesus. All right, let's. Let's put up our first point, point number one. Isaiah 61 as an announcement of his anointing. First, it was prophetic, but as we're going to show you that Jesus used it as an announcement of his anointing. And I would like to say this, you are anointed. And sometimes you have to announce to your situations that you are anointed. I'm too anointed to be going through this. So I'm pointing to my situation and telling my situation, I'm anointed for this. And so I, I may have gone in it like this, but that's not how I'm coming out of it because I'm too anointed to stay the way I was when the situation found me. 
In other words, when the addiction found me, I'm too anointed for the addiction to take me out. Actually, what the addiction is going to do, it's going to draw me closer to Jesus. And I'm going to get delivered in the addiction. I'm going to turn around and deliver somebody else in their addiction because I'm too anointed to let the addiction get the advantage over me. I'm too anointed to let the depression get the advantage over me. I'm too anointed to allow some hater to get the advantage over me. So sometimes you got to announce to your haters, you got to announce to your situation, I'm anointed for this. All right, let's look at Luke 4 and 16. Mother Mitchell will have you come in and read. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the Rent back to where he grew up. Let's look at verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So he went back to his home synagogue. He came and they gave him the book of Isaiah written on a scroll. Remember, the Bible wasn't like we have the Bible today. It wasn't all put together in 66 books. They had different scrolls. So they gave him the scroll of Isaiah and he flipped to a specific passage. And I was talking to my son Draylon uh, just a couple days ago while we were riding in the car. And he said something that I thought was negative. And I was like, no, don't, don't say that. He was like, I'm just being honest. I was like, no, I got to teach you a lesson. So I preached him a sermon right there while we were going to pick up some food. Gave him my phone, told him what scriptures to look up, told him to read it. I explained it to him and said, this is why we don't talk negative because we put things in the atmosphere. And here's the thing, the point that I'm trying to make, you can go ahead and clap for that, but here's the point that I'm trying to make. I knew in the scripture where to go to to make the point that I was trying to make. Let, let, let me see if I can uh, explain it even better. Uh, uh, Drayden was talking about his appendectomy, and he was like, I haven't had any complications for my appendectomy, but maybe my complications will come later. I said, no, don't you say that. Don't, don't you say that. He was, he was saying, no, it, it, basically, it's gone too well. Maybe something's going to show up later. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You have God, not just the doctor. You had God and the doctor. So don't release anything out of your mouth to mess it up. So then I took him to the scripture and showed him what I was trying to tell him. And I asked him, did it make sense? And, and I like the fact that Draylon was honest. He said, no, it don't make sense. So I said, let's go to another scripture. By the time I got to all the scriptures, it made sense what he was talking about. And I told him that I want, I'm going to go ahead and take the offering from him since I taught him a sermon right there in the middle. You ain't even got to give me the offering. I'm going to take it from you. But in other words, I knew where to find in the scripture what I needed to communicate what I needed to. Uh, here's the thing. You, sometimes you're the one that starts talking negative and you got to catch yourself. And if you can't catch yourself, you got to go into scripture and replace what you are saying with something from the word of God. You got to know how to get in the word and find what you need. You got to know how to go in the word and pull out what you need and stand on the word of God. So Jesus opened up the scroll and found the place that he needed to find. Let's look at verse 18. Stop right there. So then that means that he went to Isaiah 61, which is what we have been talking about. So Luke 4 is showing us how the very first message he preached openly, he went to Isaiah and pulled up Isaiah 61 and basically is saying, this is talking about me. 
That's why what I need you to do is go to the scripture. And when you find it, say that you're the head and not the tail. You need to say, this is talking about me. You, you need to put yourself in the word. The word belongs to you. I can't do it for you. You got to do it for yourself. And you may say, well, I don't know all the scriptures. Pull up Google and Google something. Google some scriptures on wealth. Google some scriptures on health. Find them scriptures. Open them up and talk them scriptures over your life. Let's go to, back to that. Luke 4, 18. Sister Mitchell, uh, read it in its entirety. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Let's look at verse 19. Verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now, wait a second. Jesus was so cold. First of all, he shows up to his home church, basically. And because he was a rabbi, they honored him and allowed him to have the opening reading. He pulled it open and read it with such an anointing, but he didn't do anything. He turned around, closed it, and went back to his seat. But everybody's eyes was fixed on him. And if you know anything about the story, they was like, this is a man that talks with some power. In other words, he wasn't just reading verses off of a page. He just wasn't reading ink off of a page. He had some relationship with what he was reading. In other words, he believed what he was reading. In other words, this wasn't the first time he ever read that scripture. He had some relationship with the word of God, and it showed up as power. Now, let's look at the next verse. He got bold enough to basically say, this scripture is talking about moi, talking about me. And today this scripture is filled because I'm anointed to walk in this scripture. Now, I don't know what scripture it got your name on it, but there's some scripture in the Bible that has your name on it. If you were Mabel Woods, you would say every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I, 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 I know what belongs to me. There's some stuff that got my name on it. And so when I read it, I don't read it as, oh, that's for somebody else. I don't read it as though that's for Kristen. I'm glad for Kristen and her blessing and Doug and his blessing. But there's some stuff in this scripture just for me. And I'm here to tell the world I'm anointed to get everything the Bible says that I can have. There's some stuff that I want. If I confuse, I want the peace that the Bible says I can have. If I'm depressed, I with the joy the Bible says I can have. Yes, it may not come overnight, and yes, I may have to struggle and fight for it, but at the end of the day, the Bible is right, and I'm standing on the promises of God, and whatever the promise of God says, guess what? I'm claiming it for my life. So much so that I'm willing to openly say, this is talking about me. Now, sometimes you're just going to have to be bold in this season and say, this is my winning season. This is my blessing season. I, I, I'm going. I'm. I'm going to be healed. I watched my wife laying in the hospital for five days, and even though she was in a lot of uh, issues and stuff, and some some days I was come after work and I would sleep, 
there at the hospital and, and, and just tried to be there support. I don't know what to do, but I'm just trying to be supportive. But in her sleep and in her medicine, and she got morphine and she got all kinds of stuff going on in her body, but I still heard her in the middle of, of the day saying, thank you, Jesus. She was still confessing she was okay. She, she never would talk negative, no matter what the doctor said, even though sometimes the doctor was confused and some of the stuff that they were saying wasn't sure that's what we want to confess. She wouldn't grab hold of any of that. She kept motioning and moving as if she was already healed. Even though she was sick, she knew that God had her back and she knew she was going to be okay. So you got to go for the word and you got to go for broke and don't let the devil put on anything on you that the word is not saying that you can have. Or the word is not saying that you need to accept. Now, of course, you didn't do it by yourself. The prayers of the saints, people being around. But at the end of the day, this is something I've learned. Listen, people can't pray you out of stuff if you want to be in it. If you want to say sick, I can't pray you out of sickness. If you love the attention you get when you get sick, I can't pray that off of you. So, People have to have the mindset, I want to be healed. And Lady Devin had the mindset, I listen, I can't be, uh, I'm too young to be on the sidelines. I want to be back doing what I'm supposed to do. So we have to have that same mindset, whatever it is. And, and when, when I'm up here preaching, I can't think of all the stuff on the top of my head. So I usually throw out things like wealth, depression, anxiety. I'll throw out things like addiction. But there's so many things in the word of God. I don't know what y'all need. I don't know what you're going through. Listen, I don't have time to... Uh, figure out all your problems, but all I do know is your answers are in the word of God because Jesus is the word of God and Jesus makes the difference. All right, let's go to point number two. Somebody say point number two. Isaiah 61 as an answer to his antagonist. So first of all, it was an announcement of his anointing but second of all, it was, an, it was an answer to his antagonist. So basically, sometimes you got to use the word for those of, uh, who are talking negative about you or saying things about you. You got to point them right back to the word. So let's look at um, Isaiah 61 and 1 again. Read that. Remember, Jesus said, listen, this day is fulfilled. I'm the one that this scripture is talking about. All right, so let's let's uh, drop down to, oh, let's see. Let, let's go to Matthew 11 and 2. Now, when Jesus heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ. Start, start, start that over for me. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples. Verse 3. So John the Baptist, who talked about Jesus was going to come, John the Baptist was stuck in a prison cell, and he was going to get his head cut off. And so he sent his disciples to ask this question, are you the one, Jesus, or shall we look for another? Not for sure if John was asking it for himself or if John wanted his disciples to know. But either way, the question came to Jesus, are you the one? Basically, are we wasting our time, or are you the one? We're supposed to be putting our hope in. Because here's the thing. No matter how many scriptures you stand on, you can still get into some situations and wonder, is this worth it? 
Is this worth it? I, look, listen, my, my marriage is struggling. My money is struggling. My family don't like me. My job is messed up. Listen, I'm in one of those situations. And sometimes all it is is just attack of the enemy. But just because it's attack of the enemy doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean it doesn't sting. Doesn't mean it won't make you question some stuff and question things. And this is one of the reasons why I don't want you to make it routine. Because when you make it routine, you'll come to church and you'll hear stuff that could deliver you and it'll go in one ear and out the other. God is a deliverer. Yeah, I know. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But I know I got to go out there and face the real stuff. But if you know you got to go out there and face the real stuff, when you hear God is a deliverer, you need to grab hold of that. And you need to believe, God, I don't know when you're going to deliver me. I don't know how you're going to deliver me. But I'm trusting and believing you have the power and the ability to deliver little old me. If you did it for her, you can do it for me. I'm not coming to church just to show off my outfit and so you can tell me how good my cologne smells. I'm coming because I need a word from the Lord. If you knew what I faced when I left here, if you knew the attack that goes on in my mind, and here's the problem for many of us, the battle rages in the mind. So because the battle rages in the mind, many people don't know what we're going through because we're able to smile, put a smile on our face, but even though I'm smiling on the outside, I'm crying on the inside. My mind is going crazy. I don't even know if I'm saved some days. Some days I don't know if I'm going to end up in hell. I may wake up in hell because I mess up sometimes. And so my mind is being battled. So when I come to church, I come to church so I can be set free. Because I know God's not going to leave me like I am. Because Jesus makes the difference. So this is not a routine for me. I need this. And even though I'm the preacher, I need the stuff that I preach. I I can't make it without Jesus. We got people telling me left and right that this is a white man's religion. You don't need to believe this. Listen, if I listen to everything that the world says, I'll be backslidden tomorrow. I need Jesus. So the question is, are you the one? Should we look for another? But let's look at how Jesus responds in Matthew eleven five. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Basically saying everything you've seen in Isaiah 61, how about you look at my track record? And here's the reason why I can still believe in God and still focus on God and still hold on to God and still believe in God because I look at his track record in my life. Yes, I'm facing a new trouble and a new trial, but when I look back over my life, I got a testimony how he done brought me out of some stuff. Now, let me be honest. If God never brought me out of anything, maybe I would have quit. Maybe I would have given up. Maybe I would have backslid. But I got some testimonies in my life how God done brought me through some stuff. Everything that I went through, I didn't go through and die in it. God brought me through some stuff. I stepped in the fire, and I still don't smell like smoke. I ended up in the lion's den, and the lion didn't bite my head off. God been good to me. And if he did it before, he can do it again. Well, pastor, 
I don't have all the testimonies that you have. Well, that's why you're at this church. So you can look at all the testimonies of all the people around you. And what you got to make up in your mind, if you'll do it for Teresa, you'll do it for me. If you'll do it for Francis, you'll do it for me. If you'll do it for Alan, you'll do it for me. Alan's not better than I am, so if you'll raise Alan up, you'll raise me up. If you'll raise Darlene up, you'll raise me up. If you'll raise Juanita up, you'll raise me up. I'm in the right place to be blessed because I got proof that you're a deliverer. I have proof that he's a miracle worker. Well, I don't have, I haven't seen any miracles in my life, but I've seen some miracles. And so even though it hasn't happened in my life yet, I know he's still able to do it. In this church, I've seen some miracles with my own two eyes. There's a man sitting on the front row who was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and was so crippled and so broken down he could barely move. But I know that God is a healer and a deliverer. I've seen him raise him up. I know what God can do. Even if he hasn't done it for me yet, I know what he can do. So Jesus said, go back and tell John, look at my track record. And I'm here to tell Deliverance Temple, look at his track record in your life. You should have been dead and gone. You should have lost your mind. You should have not be here, but God's been here for you. God, God done preserved your life. You ought to give him some praise and some glory. So he uses that as an answer to his antagonist. To what the enemy is saying, what is happening, what the enemy is saying, you should quit, uh, you shouldn't trust this, just look back over your life and point back to Jesus. Now, let, let, let's just say something crazy. Let's say God and Jesus hadn't done nothing for none of us in here at all, not one drop. But we can still look in the Bible and see the miracles he's done in the Bible and still give us enough to believe that he's going to do something for us. Amen. Let's go to point number three. Moving right along. Isaiah 61 as an addition to his administration. Uh, do, do me a favor in, in, in the back. We, we're going to go to, I'm, I'm going to do a recap. We're going to go to point one again just, just to show them a recap. Point one is Isaiah as an announcement uh, of his anointing. So we, we are announcing that no matter what, we are anointed. We got enough scriptures to say we are anointed for whatever we're going through. Number two, we are in Isaiah 61 as an answer to our antagonist. Whatever's coming against us, we're looking at the track record of God, and we know the very same things that it says in Isaiah 61, we see that God can do it in our life. Point three, Isaiah 61 as an addition to his administration. Let, let me explain this. So whenever um, you, you get a new president, he builds a new cabinet. He builds a new administration. So when, when Trump uh, left the scene and Biden comes on, Biden comes in with a new administration. So what I need you to understand is that the devil has set up shop in your life and he has a whole cabinet and a whole administration in your life. But when Jesus steps in and he makes the difference, he does the adding to his administration. He, he, he rearranges stuff, and that's why sometimes it doesn't always feel so great because when he comes in, he does reconstructive surgery on the inside of you. Some of y'all know it because you don't even respond the same 
to the stuff that you used to respond to. You, you, you don't even function the same. You, you, you know folk are talking about you, and you can smile, and it don't really bother you. It used to eat you up. You used to be ready to cuss out everything, the dog, the flowers, the trees, the stars, look, anybody. But now it don't bother you because you know you're anointed. And you make up in your mind, they should hate on me because I'm so anointed and I'm so blessed and where I'm headed, it, would make not, it wouldn't make sense for them not to be mad at me. So talk on, talker. Lie on, liar. I know what I believe. So you already know God has done some work in your life. If God has done some work in your life, just stick your hands up and say, God, God's done some work in my life. I, I know he's done some work in my life. Amen. But here's, here's the thing. Not only does he work in our life, but he adds us to his administration. He makes us a part of his team. So not only does he clean us up, wash us up, and take us through what we need to go through, he elevates us and promotes us. So let's look at Isaiah 61 and 6. Read that. But you will be called the Lord's priest. They will speak of you as ministers of our God. All right, let's look at Re Revelations 1, 5. We, we, we understand that we believe that the cross means that he has freed us by uh, freed us of sin by his blood. But look at what the next verse says. This is because of Jesus Christ and because of what he's done on the blood by his blood. What, what does it show? Revelation 1 6. And make us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. If you look at Amen. it in the King James, it basically says he made us kings and priests. Now, first of all, he died for me because I was jacked up. So that should have been enough, just the fact that he died for me. But he died for me, washed me, cleaned me up, and then put me on his team and said, I'm a king and I'm a priest. Or for, for, for females, you are queens and you are priests. So when you walk out in the earth, you're just not a uh, Diane. You're, you're, you're just not uh, Steve-O and Sandra. No, no, no. You're, you're queens and kings in the earth. You're priests in the land. And when you step in the earth, when you stand in the earth, even when you're just taking a shower, do you understand that demons tremble because you got power in your little bitty finger because Jesus lives on the inside of you. And the thing that the devil has to do the most is to suggest to you that you don't have any power. He can't take your power. He can only suggest to you that you don't have power so you don't use your power. But here's the thing you got to understand. You have power because Jesus added you to his administration when he died for you. And he calls you kings and priests and you're in the kingdom of God. You are a child of the living God. You're a son and a daughter of God. And you have a royal diadem over you. You, you are royalty. You, you are a prince and a princess. You are a king and a queen. And that's why the devil fights you the way he fights you. Because he don't you, want you to ever walk into who you really are. Now, as your pastor, sometimes I just I go through straight up hell. Just, just stuff, just come, just stuff coming at you. And and all of it is. It's all demonic, but it's not always major. Sometimes it's the little things. 
the little foxes that destroy the vine, just, just a little irritation. But I have learned to grow beyond those things that I don't let the little irritations bother me so much so that I don't even pray over every little thing. Well, well, well the wash is messed up. I just walk on by. God, God, God know how to fix that. It was come a time I had to pour oil on the washer and pray three, four days for the washer. I don't care. God can give me another washer. If it dies, if it breaks, I'll buy another one. God give me some more money. I'm not even going, I'm not going to spend time worrying about every little thing the devil is doing because kings don't worry about the little stuff. Kings have people under them that take care of the little stuff. And what I'm learning, I got angels watching over me. So I don't have to worry about all the little stuff. That's why you don't have to fight everybody and everybody that's talking about you and lying on you. You ain't got to worry about it. You got angels that'll shut their mouth up. You got angels that'll fight for you. Just stand. That's what the Bible says. Be still and know that I am God. I need to announce to you because of Jesus Christ the righteous, you are king and a priest. You're part of his administration. You got everything you need, not because of you, but because of him. Now, in Washington, D.C., in the Pentagon, in those places, everybody who's part of uh, uh, Joe Biden's administration, they have certain levels of clearance that you and I don't have. They can walk into buildings and they have credentials that say they belong there. See, there's some places that I show up that mean I belong here. I got credentials that say I belong here. When it comes time for you to have your new house, when you step on it, you'll know the one that belongs to you because you got credentials that say I belong here. I'll tell a story about the house that we're in now. Remember me and my wife were... uh, thinking about a, a house, but just thinking about it. I didn't know if I had the money or whatever for it. So I started really looking, and I found a house online that I liked. I looked on it, and I really, really liked it. I could imagine it. I could imagine myself in it. So I, I got Devin, and we went there, and when we got to the house, it just wasn't it. It just wasn't it. When I stepped in the door, it was just like, nah, this ain't it. And first of all, Devin said, this is way out in the boonies. You, gonna, you got me way out here in the boonies, and then you're going to go to work at midnight while I'm way out here. Like, we both knew this ain't it. And so the realtor seen the look on our face, and she was like, don't let that discourage you. There's another house that hasn't even uh, come on the market yet, but uh, I'll send it to you soon as I can. And so before we, uh, before that day in that we seen that house, then she gave us the address. We couldn't go inside it yet, but I just able to, able to drive by the address. When I drove by the address, I said, no, that's, that's my house. I, I, I just knew by, by my spirit that belongs to me. And then when we got a chance to go inside of it and see it, it was just like, no, this is my house. And even though I didn't know if I had the money to be in the house that, that I saw, I just knew somehow, some way, that belongs to me. And that's the house I've been living in the last five years. Because when God puts you in a place, in a space, he shows you what's for you. And sometimes you just step up and say, that belongs to me. I told you about the suit that I ended up paying zero dollars for that I passed by and just looked like it belonged to me. And so I asked them, could I try it on? And they were like, no, this is for somebody else. It got their name on it. And we're waiting for them to pick it up. And somebody over that person said, but just let him try it on just in case. I tried it on and they said, we're going to sell it to him. 
They sold it to me. I swiped my card, and somehow it never went through, and they never charged me, and I ended up having a suit for zero dollars because I walked in the place, and the suit said, I belong to you because I'm a king and I'm a priest. And it's not just for material things, but you got to start walking like you have some power in the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bind some things on earth and loose some things on earth. If it's loosed in heaven, it's loosed in earth. If it's bound in heaven, it's bound on earth. If the addiction is bound in heaven, before time, the addiction is going to be bound on earth. If money is loosed in heaven, before time, it's going to be loosed on earth. If there's a card with your name on it, if it's loosed in heaven, it'll be loosed on earth. You are king, you are priest, you are part of the administration of the almighty God. Who do you think you are? I ain't got time to tell you everybody I am. I, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Do you got time for me to tell you who I really am? It's not just who I think I am. It's who I am because the I am lives on the inside of me. The I am that I am. I am healed. I am blessed. I am delivered. I do belong in wealth. I do belong in health. I do belong in joy. I do belong in peace. I'm a part of the administration of the Almighty God. And whether you know it or not, angels work for me. Two times, yeah, she said me too. Yeah, somebody else say me too, me too. I... I've seen angels a couple times, uh, two times that, that, that I, I will talk about. Uh, remember going, I think I was at the time traveling to Indianapolis, traveling from Muncie to Indianapolis. And at the time I wasn't driving, I believe uh, Woody Elliott was driving. And all of a sudden, out the corner of my eye, I've seen like an orange flash of light. And it, it was almost like you would see on people's parking brakes. But so... I'm, I'm thinking that this is just a car beside us on the side of the road that's parked. But as I look, there's nothing on the side of the road. And so I turn back, and then I seen it again, and I seen a quick, quick glimpse of a vision. I seen legs running next to the car. So that's all I could see. So it meant that the angel was so much higher than the car. So the flash of orange that I was seeing, and God was saying, while you're driving down the road, I got angels running alongside your car. That was, a, that, that was one glimpse, and, and another glimpse, I was, I was actually in, in Indianapolis again. I was working on the job, and I, 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 had, I took a break, and I slept on my break time. And, and, and my chair was like down here, and, and the machine was up here. And so I felt something towering over me, and I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's just the, the machine. And I looked up, and, it, and when I say a glimpse, I'm talking about like a millisecond, not... Not like something I've seen long enough, but just real quick. In other words, I transitioned into the realm of the spirit and I saw something. And I saw this big being just towering over. It was way taller than the machine. So the machine was probably six feet taller than me. This was probably another nine feet taller than that. And God was just saying, I got angels hovering over you. Just, 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 just give me a glimpse of the administration that I am, just the power that we have. And we don't know because many things happen behind the scenes. 
And so as I was praying about it, one thing that the Lord was showing me that the particular machine that I ran, the way they wanted us to run it back then is they wanted it running through brake. Even though you were on brake, they wanted the machine still running. So it had one conveyor belt this way and another conveyor belt over top and then the machine. And the Lord just showed me later as I was praying about what I saw. He's like, if one of those little metal pieces had flipped off onto you, you would have died instantly. All it takes is it for that conveyor to malfunction and you would be dead. So I got the angel just standing up over the machine to make sure nothing malfunctions and nothing falters and nothing falls. I'm, I'm taking care of my people. There, angels encamp round about us. Now, just, just like I'm saying, do you understand that secret service are assigned to people in the government because they're part of the administration? That when they go, you may not know they're there, but the Secret Service is somewhere. They done scoped everything out just for there to protect them, to make sure everything's okay. And the angels do you the same way because you're part of the administration of God. Now, let me throw this in, in there since we're going on vacation and doing things. Please be where God tells you to be. And please don't be where God don't tell you not to be. Because while there are angels, there's the death angel always seeking whom he may devour. And the Bible says that's when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. But if you're outside of the covering of the blood, listen, I, we can't pray everything off of folk. In our, uh, in our prayer, in our prayer that we have on the newsletter, we pray against stray bullets. We pray against death. But people are dying all the time. Someone just got shot not too long ago at Heaton Park, shot in the head. I can't pray every bullet off of everybody. So be where you need to be. Be locked into God and be where you need to be. Be on your call. Be a part of the administration of the Lord. Amen. Somebody give me a good amen. amen. All right, let's go to Isaiah. Let's go to point number four. And this is where we're going to be closing from. Isaiah 61, as an adjustment... Because of his arrival, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it to you really well, but, but when Jesus showed up, he makes the difference. But I'm going to even show you how he makes the difference within that scripture. The Isaiah 61 that we're reading, Jesus changed it just a little bit. He made an adjustment, and the adjustment he made is so powerful. It shows you what... God thinks and feels about us by the adjustment that Jesus makes. So when Jesus shows up, he makes adjustments because of his arrival. So his arrival is going to make an adjustment that I want to show you in the scripture in just a minute. Let's, let's go back to Isaiah 61.1 and 61.2. We're going to read those and then I'm going to show you how the adjustment is made. The spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners. All right, let's go to, to, to verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. All right, when we look at that verse, I have three dots because it, it, it says something else. But I want us to go back to what we've already read that Jesus read about himself. And I want us to see where he closed the book. First of all, let's put verse 2 back up. And I'll read it. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the year of the Lord's favor, comma, and the day of vengeance of our God. Let me read it again. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, comma, and the day of vengeance of our God. Now let's look at Luke 4, 17. 
Remember, he found where it was written. Let's look at verse 418 again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the captives. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed. Let's look at verse 19. To proclaim the year of the Lord's To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, period. There's no comma there. The other verse that he was reading from said there's a comma to pray the, the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance. But when Jesus read it, put it back up for us. When Jesus read it, he did it this way. He said to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, period. Now let's look at the next verse, verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of so it means he purposely didn't read the rest of the verse because what he was trying to tell you is that when I show up, I make an adjustment. Here's the adjustment I make when I arrive, that if you trust me, you never have to see the day of the Lord's vengeance. You only see the day of the Lord's favor. Here's the thing. All of us have had enough sin to see God's vengeance and God's wrath. And God's punishment. And we could have been kicked out of the kingdom. We could have been thrown away. We could have been uh, left uh, for dead. But, but God says, no, the reason why I'm not doing that to them is because they trust in Jesus. And Jesus only brings them favor. Now, yes, vengeance can come, but not through Jesus. So vengeance can come, but not through Jesus. So if I'm hooked into Jesus, I don't get the vengeance. I don't get the punishment. I only get the favor. That's why I'm blessed as blessed as I am. That's why I am as blessed as I am. Because instead of getting the punishment that I deserve, I only got God's favor. It does not make sense for anybody not to trust in Jesus because it's too good to be true. His grace is too good to be true. His love is too good to be true. I should have been kicked out. I should have been dead and gone. But I'm here by the grace of God. I'm here because of the cross of Jesus. I'm here because of the blood of Jesus. I'm here because of the love of Jesus. I'm here because of the deliverance of Jesus. But should I have been punished for some things? Yes, I should have. Now, now, we're not saying that God doesn't correct us, but I'm talking about the ultimate punishment that we should have. We should have been got a long time ago. Some of y'all, y'all done run so many folk down. You done talked about so many folk in your life, and God just gave you a pass and forgave you. You done run your mouth over stuff you know you didn't have no business talking about, and God just done blessed you and forgave you. Some of y'all, been, been, you, you done stole from Uncle Sam all your life and God done found a way to never let them find out never let you get audited and he didn't help you out you you ought to thank God for Jesus some of y'all got so much stuff in your house with your job's name on it God got towels and pencils and and pens but you got the Lord's favor come to your house and you got Hilton towels and Marriott towels and Radisson towels and done all kinds of stuff you shouldn't have done but somehow you only got the Lord's favor that's why I praise God the way I praise God because some of the stuff I done should have ended up on the star press but God washed me and God cleansed me and, and God gave me another chance I'm so grateful for the Lord's favor 
That's why it'll never be a routine for me. I'm too messy for it to be a routine. I'm too simple for it to be a routine. I done done too much stupid stuff for it to be a routine. I thank God for the grace of God, for the love of God, for the forgiveness of God. Not that we shouldn't get it right, but through Jesus, he gives us space and grace to get it right. In other words, you get a, a, a first chance, a second chance, a third chance, sometimes a 99th chance before God tell you this is your last chance. Like I tell you, when God called me to preach, I was coming off a tequila binge hangover. He didn't have to. He didn't have to talk to me. He didn't have to choose me laying on the ground with bottles all around me and I'm puking my guts out, my head spinning, and God talking about, I'm about to use you to preach my word. He didn't have to answer my mom and my daddy's prayer, my grandma and grandpa's prayer. Now, I'm, a, I'm in school acting a fool, but God is so good. He answers prayers that don't even need to be answered because he knows how good he is. He said, even though he messed up, I can turn him around and put a church in his hands. I can turn him around and preach through him. I can turn him around and give them a family. God is so good. Jesus makes the difference. And because of that, I got favor instead of vengeance. I got favor instead of wrath. But here's the thing. When Jesus put a period there, that period for the favor is not forever. The day of vengeance is still coming. The day of wrath is still coming. But if you're locked into Jesus, he'll snatch us away before the day of vengeance and the day of wrath come. And so let me implore you, don't you come to church and waste time and still miss heaven. Don't you come to church and get in a routine and miss it. I don't want any of y'all to end up in the day of the Lord's vengeance or the day of the Lord's wrath. So this is what I always tell y'all. Go with God on the first trip. I don't know all about the rapture. I don't know all about the afterlife. All I know is I want to be God on the first trip. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to know tribulation. No tri I don't want none of that. God, if you want to take me out before all that, I want to go. I don't want to go through nothing because you pay the price for me not to go through anything. And let me borrow from my apostle again. If you paid the price for me to be at the higher regency, I don't want to live in the motel two and a half. I don't want to stay there. When you pay the price for me to be in something a lot better. And guess what? Heaven belongs to you. All right, let's, let, 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 let me give you a little more teaching as, as we, we get out of here. Let me, let, me, let me put this up and I'll, I'll read this. After verse 20, the next point that I have. In the New King James Version of the Bible, the word vengeance is found a total of 59 times. 59 times. From the Genesis to Revelation, the word vengeance is found. However, in the Gospels, it is only found one time, and that time did not apply to us as believers. In other words, when Jesus came, that word vengeance only showed up once, and it didn't even apply to us as believers. It was talking to the Jerusalem people who were going to be around at the destruction of the temple. So, in other words, when Jesus came, he took vengeance off the table. He took a whole bunch of punishment off the table and says, you know what, I'm going to give you a chance to get it right. Because you know what, when Jesus came, we became part of the family of God. When Jesus came, we became part of the family of God. So now we are family. So since we are family, a lot of punishments taken off the table. Let me give you an example. When my kids first started walking, every time they fell, I didn't say, you, go to the street. 
pack your bags, and you get on the street. Because you, 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 you crawling, and you too big to be falling. Now, now my, both my boys, they were, they were like 13 months before they started walking. But we just kept on trying. You know why? Because they're part of the family. So if they fall, you just pick them back up. And then when they first start walking, you jump around and get happy like they haven't fallen a bunch of times. You forget about all the falls, and you get happy for the steps. And when they start stepping, they don't even be walking that good. They be... And you get, you, you're excited. My, my little niece, uh, Stephen's daughter, just started walking. And when they sent us the video of her walking, we all excited. Because when you're family, every little success means something. And so you celebrate it. So guess what? Because I'm part of the family of God, Jesus took vengeance off the table. And all he does is celebrate me. Let, let, let me give you another point. In the King James Version of the Bible, in the King James Version of the Bible, the word grace is found a total of 170 times. However, in the Old Testament, it is only found 39 times. The Old Testament didn't talk about grace that much. It talks about it, but it didn't talk about it as much. In the Old Testament, it's called hesed, which means the hot favor of the Lord. In the New Testament, it's charis, where we get the word charisma, which means grace. So, however, the Old Testament is only found 39 times. In the Gospels, five times is found, and they're all referring to Jesus. Then, 126 times for the remainder of the New Testament. So, so here's the point. Only 39 times in the Old Testament, Jesus showed up Five times that we see the word grace, they all referred to Jesus. And then the next 127 times, we see grace all throughout the New Testament. Why? Because Jesus is the difference maker. And so when he shows up, when he arrives, he adjusted. Because the Old Testament was you do bad, you get bad. It was an eye for an eye, a two for a two. Listen, if your children get smart with you right now, we can put them in timeout. We can spank them. But in the old days, they said take them out and stone them. You let, let them get smart, take them out, stone them. Some of y'all teenagers, you'd been dead a long time ago if you lived under the Old Testament. You think a black mama is rough. Look, live under the Old Testament, a stone upside your head. And sometimes, look, if you're stealing something, cut the hand off. It was rough. But when Jesus stepped in, he said, I give you space and grace to get stuff right. So the whole rest of the New Testament, it talks about grace, 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 grace. And the reason why is Jesus is the difference maker. Yeah. Let's give us one more. And then we... In the New King James Version of the Bible, the word wrath is found a total of 238 times. However, in the Gospels, it is only found five times. Of those five, Jesus only used it twice, and neither of those times does it apply to us as believers. People talking about, why don't you talk about the wrath of God? The wrath of God. The wrath of God. I'm not talking about the wrath of God because I'm talking about Jesus. And when I talk about Jesus, I get the grace of God. And if I get locked into the grace of God, I'll never have to see the wrath of God. And if I do see the wrath of God, I'm the stupid one because I've got so much grace, I should never see the wrath of God because Jesus washes, Jesus cleanses, Jesus turns me around. Why should I ever see the wrath of God when Jesus is the difference maker? And now I'm going to give us, as we close and go into our communion, I'm going to give us one of those verses that uses that wrath and explain to you specifically why it doesn't apply to us. Let's look at that verse. Read it, Mother Mitchell. He who believes in him will not be 
I'll stop you right there. This is in red letters, so Jesus is saying that, so read, read it again. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Oh, here's the thing. The only way to stay out of the wrath of God, all I got to do is believe in the Son, and not only do I not get uh, the wrath of God, I get everlasting life. Remember, this is John 3, 36. If you know anything about John 3, it's Nicodemus. And that's where we get John 3, 16. That for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That those who believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Guess what? I don't believe you would be in these seats if you didn't believe in God. I don't believe you'd be watching online if you didn't believe in God. If you believe in Jesus, you don't have to see the wrath of God. But everybody who don't want Jesus, they're caught in the wrath of God. But for us... Jesus was the difference maker. Let's put that up and let's, let's say it again. Jesus makes the difference. All right, we're going to transition into our communion, thinking about this Jesus. You ever heard the saying, he's been better to me than I've been to myself? All right, let's read our first verse, Mark 14, 22. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let's take and let's eat. Let's go to verse 23. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. Let's drink as well. Now, verse 24. It is shed for many. The truth of the matter, his blood was shed for all, but some will reject. Let us not be the ones that reject. Let us be a part of the many that receive and let Jesus make a difference in our life. Come on, let's stand to our feet and pray now. Let's bow our heads. Dear gracious heavenly Father God, as I look at Isaiah 61 and how you fulfilled it in so many ways, and God, I just can't even preach all of what you've done in that prophetic verse of Isaiah, but you fulfilled it so much. You've given us all beauty for ashes, God. You've given us oil for joy. You've given us double for our shame, double for our trouble. God, all the things that you've done that I try to preach in this series, but at the end of it all, it amounts to you being the difference maker in our life. Jesus, you really make the difference, and you really are the answer for the world. And God, I pray if there's anybody under the sound of my voice who does not know you, God, I pray that you're able to come into their life now, God, and make a difference in their life. God, let them accept you into their heart. Don't let them be afraid of the wrath of God and afraid of making mistakes. Let them just join the team, and you'll make them a part of your administration. 
You'll protect them and you'll keep them. And God delivers temple is a place where we can grow them up and disciple them. But God, if there's anybody in deliverance temple who's not yet saved, God, save them the utmost, God. Don't let us leave from this church and die and go to hell. God, let us leave from this church believing you and heaven having our name on it and blessings having our name on it. Now, God, as we go from this into our sabbatical, God, our rest is in you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. We love you. (laughs) 